Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear from our senior leader, Ben Kendrew. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today's reading from Scripture is going to come from Nehemiah. And it's a book through which God spoke very clearly to me and to our church through last year, very profoundly, I believe, because it resonated so much. I know pastors sometimes talk about the the time where we we teach from Nehemiah is through crisis or when we've got a building project going on, which is a little bit cheesy. But but if you remember and if you understand the journey of the Nehemiah and the people at that time, then it does resonate with the Arise journey. Because the walls of Jerusalem were in disrepair. And remember, Jerusalem in the Old Testament is often an allegory for the church of Jesus. Jerusalem was in ruins and things needed to be addressed. And that had grieved Nehemiah and the people. So we find them in sorrow and weeping, and understandably so. And their response, Nehemiah's response, is something for us all to learn from. Firstly, he prayed. He sought the Lord. He repented where it was necessary. He gathered the people to rally again, and they began to rebuild for God's glory. And as they did that, they faced some opposition along the way, as happens in our life, and we know in our church journey, but I'm sure as well in your own life, as you begin to do something that you know God has called you to do, maybe to bring restoration to something that was broken in your, in your career or, or your work environment, in your whanau, wherever we've gone about that, we may face opposition and resistance as people don't fully understand what they were doing. And that's what happened for Nehemiah and the people. And then they faced confusion and frustration. But what we read in Nehemiah is they remained focused on what God had asked them to do. So they built and they battled. You read that they had a, a tool in one hand for rebuilding and a sword in the other hand for protection and for battle. The sword of the Spirit for us, the Word of God that we hold dear to through every season. And they worked collaboratively. So everyone did their part. They built in front of their own home. They worked together. People used their own strengths, gifts, and resources. And together they could do greater than they could do by themselves. And we read throughout Nehemiah that he says, the gracious hand of God is upon them. And we know that to be true in our own lives and on this beautiful church called Arise. So today's passage in Nehemiah chapter 8 comes as the actual physical rebuilding of the wall had been complete in record time, mind you. In the natural, sometimes things should take months, years, decades, but with God's gracious hand, things can move at a whole different speed. So they were celebrating. Interestingly, also, if you read in chapter 7, we won't read today, uh, after the wall was finished being built, they made some uh, new appointments And Nehemiah said, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And we're in a season now as a church where we can say, okay, we know who's going to do this responsibility and who's going to do that one. And so here we are, and I believe it's the right time, God timing, to read from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 6 to 12. That's what we're going to pick up today. Ezra, who was the scribe, he was the priest, praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen. As they lifted their hands, they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It's important to understand they worship. Verse 7, the Levites, and a whole bunch of different names there, 
The, <laughs> yeah, I just want to, you know, <clears throat> give myself some grace. The Levites instructed the people in the law, the scriptures, while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God, clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who'd been interpreting for the people said, this is important team, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For all the people had actually been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Verse 10, Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. Somebody say amen today. Share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Love a potluck. All through the Bible, a potluck meal. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Check this out. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too, they quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't weep. It's a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink. They shared a festive meal to celebrate with great joy. Everyone say joy. Joy. Great joy because they'd heard God's word and they understood them. Other translations of that verse, don't be dejected or sad, say do not sorrow, do not grieve any longer, do not worry, one translation says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is why we need joy. We need joy because we need strength. Is there anyone in church today, anyone online today that needs strength to face what is ever ahead? There's a couple of honest people here today, but we need some strength because we're going to face sorrow. We will. We do. Many of us maybe today are because there is grief in our life. There is. It's real because we are often wracked with worry, with worry. But I believe, as Nehemiah said to the people, that, that it's time to rejoice. It's time to celebrate. It's time, the time is right for us as a, as, a, as a church family, and I'm declaring for you where you're at in your walk with God, to maybe choose today to put on the oil of joy instead of mourning, as we'll read soon. We have to make that decision. I want you to hear today that joy is available to you. I think someone just needs to hear that first. That joy is actually available to you because our God, our good, good Father, He wants to bestow joy upon you. Maybe you feel like because of how life has gone, because of what you've done or things that have happened to you, that maybe now joy is no longer available. But you need to know today that the promise of God is that joy is available. And it's real joy, lasting joy. Joy not circumstantial, dependent on other things in our life. Joy from God, the joy of the Lord. It's that joy that brings strength. Strength maybe of body. And I want to declare healing for people today through the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. For others, strength of mind and our thoughts where we need strength. It's available through the joy of the Lord. Strength in our emotions. Strength to sustain, strength to endure, strength to overcome, strength even to lift others, to lift others. And that, that strength comes to us through joy, so long as that joy is the joy of the Lord. 
Before I go any further, I do want to clarify something I am not saying today. What I'm not saying is that mourning or weeping or sorrow or grief are really bad things that we must avoid at all costs. They're actually part of God's design to mourn, to grieve. Sorrow will happen here on earth. In fact, they are part of God's design for us to help process what is happening in our life. It would be a, a dire misunderstanding. I'd be distorting scripture if I said, no, no more mourning. You're not allowed to mourn. You are allowed to mourn. But there is a season for mourning and the joy of the Lord is available to you. It was right in chapter eight of Nehemiah, uh, sorry, in chapter one of Nehemiah, it was right for them to mourn, to grieve, to weep. But it was right in chapter eight for them to rejoice and enjoy a good feed. Amen. We have to understand that the joy of the Lord is available. It was right for them to mourn and weep and repent in chapter 1, not just because of what was happening to them and the walls of Jerusalem, but also because of what they recognized they had done or neglected to do. And that's our journey before God. Repentance should be part of our Christian experience. It's not a one-off moment. Repentance should never be seen as, as maybe a dirty word. It's a daily word. I repent, I turn back to you, Jesus, that, that these things that were taking my attention, where, where I was allowing them to control me, where I, I gave in or, or turned toward temptation, repent to turn. I turn back to Jesus. That's good. And it was needed and we must do that. But it's important to acknowledge that those tools like grief, like mourning, like sorrow, they are not God's design for us to remain in that place. It's not God's design for, for that to be our state of existence from now until we pass into eternity. We know this. We know this because we can look at both the beginning and the end of the God story. At creation, before humankind made the decision to turn away from God, called sin, before that, there was no sorrow. There was no, there was no grieving, mourning. They lived in beautiful harmony with God. That was his original intention. We know by looking at the end, when we see a picture of heaven and eternity in the book of Revelation, that it's described as no more sorrow and no more weeping. In our service here today, we even sung, there will be a time, no more tears. Amen. And we can declare that for eternity, but what that helps us to understand is that's God's original design. And so we know we're in a fallen world. We know that that isn't our daily uh, lived-in experience. But understanding God's original design for His people shows us what we should aspire for in the Spirit, yearn for in our spirit, to live with overflowing joy. That was His design. Anything that is God's original design, our enemy will come to steal, kill, and destroy that's his plan. That's his purpose. So if God's original design for you was to have joy that overflowed, that gives you strength, our enemy will come and do everything he can to attack your joy, to rob your joy, to kill your joy. We live in a fallen world, but because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of his overwhelming goodness and grace, it is available to us. So I hope in that little two-minute, uh, you know, story of the Bible, we can understand that it's good to pine, to yearn, to strive for the things of God like overflowing joy. The psalmist knew this as he wrote in Psalm 30, verse 5 says, 
His anger, this is God, lasts only for a moment, but favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping, it's a part of life, may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. God doesn't put it in the Word if it's not available to us. It's not there to tease us and, and, and to, to cause us pain for the rest of our life. Joy comes in the morning, but I will never get it. No, it is available for you. It is available for me. Verse 11 of the same psalm. He says, God, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. Joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and instead clothed me with joy. It is available. The psalmist knew it. And the apostle Paul knew it. He wrote a letter to the Philippian church from a jail cell that does not look like an Aotearoa New Zealand 2023 jail cell. A better word for us to understand would be an underground dungeon. In fact, I got to stand in that place where historians believe this was probably the cell in which Paul was kept. And I've got a photo of it uh, when we got to visit with the kids in January of 2020. And now it's a tourist site, so that's actually quite clean. And we stood on behind a nice railing and read a nice plaque, and it was lit up for us to see. But you need to understand, in the first century, <laughs> that's wet, that's dark, there's probably rodents. It didn't look like a, a, a tourist spot. And whether or not that is the exact cell in which he was sitting, which I want to believe it is, I want to trust historians at doing their job, whether or not, if it's anything like that, that does not look like a joyful experience to me. But he wrote, sitting in that place, Philippians 4 verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say it, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. In fact, the entire letter to the Philippians is often referred to as the joy epistle. That this is a book of understanding and comprehending the joy that is available to us through God. I remember standing there in that dungeon looking at it, and I, didn't, I wasn't moved to tears. I, I didn't cry. I was actually filled with joy. I genuinely was. I, I, I was amazed not only at the man Paul. Wow, how did he understand that? But I was amazed that joy is so available that in the worst of human environments, we can still have it. And that's what I need someone to understand today. Whatever you're facing in your life, and I'm not trying, you don't need to compare to Paul in a prison. What you're facing is a challenge, but joy is still available. That's the goodness of our God. Paul could endure that dungeon because he had joy. Paul Paul shows us that we can endure hardship in our life because we have joy. We can have strength to overcome because we have joy. So the psalmist knew it, the apostle Paul knew it, and the prophet Isaiah knew it. Isaiah 61 verse 3, and he provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Instead is very important for us 
because we may be wearing mourning today or despair in our heart and God can replace that item of clothing and instead put on a garment of praise and joy and not one that is fickle and will be out of fashion tomorrow, but one that will help you sustain through the pain. That's the goodness of our God. This is what He has for us. This is His design. It is also His desire. It's His desire to replace our mourning with joy and a joy that will actually give you strength to endure. See, I want to emphasize here, Nehemiah, David writing in the Psalms, prophet Isaiah, Paul and Philippians, they all acknowledge that this real strength-giving joy can only come from the Lord. It can only come from the Lord. And this is where we're going to land today. Because I think joy in our English lexicon, it's almost like it's been watered down. See, personally, I get joy from a lot of things. A, a pertinent question for every person today is who or what is my source of joy? Who or what is my source of joy? Yeah. That's all you go away with today, to consider that, to ponder that, to pray on that, to meditate on that. Write that down. Who or what right now is my source of joy? Because for me, I mean, I get joy when my favorite rugby team wins. I get joy when I eat a really good meal. I do. If joy, if the definitions of joy, both biblically and in, you know, the English dictionary, are gladness and celebration, then, then I get that when I hear my kids laughing, especially Nora, our seven-year-old. She's got this cackle that's amazing. It's like, you will be having the worst of days. Once Nora starts laughing, everything's all good. I get joy when I watch a great musician or band perform. I get joy when I see a beautiful view. I actually really, I've just realized I love a view. Get up on a hill. We only have one hill in Christchurch. I get up the hill, view. You're very blessed here in Wellington. A lot of views. I get joy from that. I get joy when the dishwasher is stacked superbly. Oh, it's my ministry at Life Group to restack the dishwasher. But the thing about all of those, and there's a far longer list, and you'll have many other things. The thing about all of those that I've just categorized, they do give me joy, but they could be here today and gone tomorrow. They can change. They cannot be relied upon. None of these examples can give me the strength to endure. And that's why, yes, Nehemiah told them to celebrate and eat well. But he wanted to declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because he could have got them to do whatever the Israelite nation liked to do for joy-filled activities for that day. But then tomorrow it could be gone again. If we live dependent on the weather, on a view, I go up the hill hoping for a view and it's a shrouded in cloud. Do I now lose my God-given joy? I order a great meal, but it comes out cold. Do I now lose my joy? My beautiful seven-year-old daughter has tears in her eyes instead of a cackle laugh. Do I lose my joy? Who or what is the source of joy? The Warriors win one week and not the next. Oh, heartbreak. But do I have my joy? <laughs> See, the joy of the Lord that's really my title today, of the Lord. That's your strength. That's where we find strength. 
read through every translation I could get my hands on in, in English scripture of the book of Nehemiah. And nowhere does it say, and joy is your strength, or laughter is your strength, or happiness is your strength. Every time it stipulates, either it says of the Lord or joy from God, but it is clear that the source of our joy for us to find strength to endure and overcome can only be and will ever be the one true God who will never fail us, who will always be faithful and steadfast. I don't know about you, but I need strength to endure. And, and I, I need to find strength in a place that won't run dry. So I find it in the joy of the Lord. And I can testify to his strengthening joy. I can in my own life. It sustains me. It, it pushes, pushes me on. Even this last week, I spent uh, uh, two days at what was called the New Zealand Christian Leaders Congress. It was a new environment for me and actually a new environment for Arise. This was an environment that had uh, Christian leaders from around Aotearoa, New Zealand, from the Methodist Church and Baptist Church and Anglican Church and Pentecostal Church and, and, and various denominations. And it was a, it was a pretty eye-opening environment for me to be. And so in, in corridor and conversation, often people would find out who I was and and the ministry I was a part of would say, wow, how are you? <laughs> and often there was a question along the lines of, how, how have you managed to come through this? And, and that's not the first time I've been asked it, and it's certainly not the first time I've considered it myself. How are we here today? Relationships have been strained or broken. Disappointment betrayal, opposition and aggression. Thank you, Nehemiah. Painful truths coming to light, painful lies being said. So much internally that does not sound joyful. But honestly, church, I believe I stand before you today because I have known the joy of the Lord, not just the joy of sport and food and weather and family. These are all great things, but the joy of the Lord has given me strength. That is how we are here today. So many tough days that were neither happy nor fun. But I did know that God is with me. He loves His church. He is faithful to His Word. And if I lean into Him, I will find joy through any circumstance. And that joy will give me strength. 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 I was weak in many moments in the last two years, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've been tired in my physical body, but the joy of the Lord is strength for my mortal body. I've been confused in my mind, but the joy of the Lord is strength for my mind. Help me see clearly, O oh God. I was concerned and overwhelmed, but the joy of the Lord is strength for my emotions. This is my testimony. This is my testimony, and I need you to know that that joy is available to you. Why doesn't the worship team join me today? If you are grieving a lost friendship, the joy of the Lord is available. God has joy for you. I believe that, and it will give you strength. If you are weeping because of hurt that has happened to you, God has joy for you. I believe it. It's available today.
you have sorrow because your business has not panned out the way that you had hoped it would, God has joy for you. Not a hollow pat on the back, via via. Joy that will bring you strength. If you are worried about a family member, God has joy for you. If you are worried about your house selling or not selling, God has joy for you. He does for every season. If you're worried about your health or the health of a loved one, God has joy for you. Maybe you're beginning to believe it in your heart right now, but your, your next question, and understandably so, is, okay, so how? How do I get this joy? I want the joy not of the world. Those are nice things. Holidays, meals, views. <laughs> but I want the joy of the Lord. Well, I couldn't come up with a better phrase than one that my wife preached last year because most of my good things come from Amy. But she shared, we've got to turn our worry into worship. We turn our worry into worship. See, Nehemiah told the people, do not worry. You realize that that was a, a direction, a command from Jesus as well? Do not worry. Would worry add a day to your life? But the thing is, God... I do worry. <laughs> you see what's going on around me? I got things to worry about. It's much easier said than done. But the thing, if Jesus commands it of his followers, then it is not an impossible task. He will empower us to do what he asks us or tells us to do. Nehemiah told the people to celebrate. They worship, they lifted their hands, they bowed down before Him, but He specifically said, come on, let's celebrate. Another word you can find in there, let's praise, let's praise, let's praise. I don't wanna praise, I'm in a dungeon. It's cold, it's wet. My body's failing, my economy's failing, people are treating me bad, people are saying stuff online, people are saying stuff about me at the water cooler at my work, but let's praise, let's praise. Let's praise. What's my testimony for finding the joy of the Lord? I'm a worshiper. I love the presence of God. I love it when we gather on a Sunday, but I love it on a Monday when I'm the only one up with my phone playing a worship song. Throughout last year, I created playlists, just constantly adding songs, speaking faith, hope, and joy. One of my playlists was simply called Through the Storm. You know the song, Cornerstone, Christ Alone, Cornerstone. Through the storm, He is Lord. Yeah, joy. It's my source of joy. I play them every morning. I was away at that con conference the last few days of the week. I got home, asked how things were in the morning. Amy getting all the kids ready for school. She was like, we did great. Kids were amazing. But we forgot to play the worship songs. It's a habit in our house. That's, that's part of my strength, my source of joy to worship. Last year, I'd play half a song before I walked into a meeting. I'd be on flights from Christchurch to Wellington thinking this day is going to be very tough. But the joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's amazing to me how many Christians only praise for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. 
Man, we need to celebrate the goodness of God on Tuesday, on Friday, on Saturday afternoon. So today we're going to end the message with a little variation of what we normally do. We're going to praise party today. We're going to praise party today. And look, look. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're ready. And I love this song so much. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But I can share the Word of God. I can stir you to a point and encourage you that it's God's desire. He wants you to have joy. I can testify to what He's done in my life, but I can't turn your worry into worship. And I can't praise and celebrate on your behalf. And I can't make God your source of joy. Only you get to do that in Palmerston North today, in Dunedin today, online, and here at the service at the Arise Centre. Only you can take a minute to turn your worry into worship. Only you can hear the words of Nehemiah and say, let me rejoice, let me celebrate, and find joy that will sustain us. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.